Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Humane Nation podcast. I'm your host, Allie. Thank you all so much for once again joining us for another episode. I hope you all are doing great. And I am just so excited that you're joining us because we're going to be taking a dive into learning more about one of our aquatic friends, the octopus. And as some of you may know, octopus are just such amazing animals. I think they're highly overlooked. Well, unfortunately, I think oftentimes marine life as a whole is overlooked, especially when talking about animal rights, animal welfare. They don't, in general, seem to have as many protections. But I think the more we learn about the various animals that we get to share our world with, the more appreciation we have for them. And so this episode just talks a bit about just how incredible octopus are to begin with, but then also this new risk that they face. So, okay, I'm going to stop there before I get too much ahead of myself. Let's talk about some animal news first. As some of you may have seen, last week, Senator Cory Booker announced a new legislation called the Industrial Agriculture Accountability Act. Now, I'm still trying to gather what all of it means because there are several different key points that this act, this legislation, would help uh, in terms of factory farming. Now, this is a positive thing for factory farms, and it's definitely a step in the right direction because part of this legislation corresponds to line speeds. Unfortunately, line speeds can be both horrifying for animals, but also dangerous for the humans that are working at these facilities. So this legislation would do a few different things. One, it would promote food safety by hiring additional food safety inspectors. It also prevent dangerously high line speeds. Um, in addition to preventing slaughterhouses from inspecting their own programs to ensure that operators aren't using inhumane methods. So there's definitely a lot of different positive things that this legislation has going, and I'm excited to see where it ends up. But like I said, this was just announced last week, and so I'm sure in the upcoming months we're going to be seeing more about it, and depending on how quickly things move, maybe even longer than that. And some more good news today. The Utah prairie dog, which there are three subspecies of prairie dogs that are native in Utah, they are making a comeback and they will soon be able to be moved from the endangered species list. They are currently and have been listed as threatened since the 1970s. And thankfully, because their population is increasing, some have said that soon they'll be able to be removed. All right, you guys, with that, let's go ahead and jump into today's topic. So I will be completely honest here. Um, for a long time, octopus kind of scared me a little bit. And I think I can trace that uh, fear back to this video that I had seen back, I don't know, probably high school or even later than that, maybe. But it was this video of a crab and they were just minding their own business. And then all of a sudden, an octopus comes up from the water insanely fast grabs the crab and then goes back into the water and for some reason this just blew my mind how quickly octopus can move i was like oh my goodness all their tentacles going everywhere 
it just, it, it kind of um, was burned into my memory. <laughs> and so since then, I have just been like, oh my goodness, octopus are a little bit freaky and I don't know how I feel about them. But I think that mindset can be really with anything when we see something initially, but then don't do any sort of research afterwards and just claim that experience as truth. But to put it into a different perspective, the more I began learning about octopus and just how incredible they are and how uniquely made that they are, I couldn't help but think, oh, they're not so freaky. They're actually really cool. And I hope that if you have some, you know, potentially negative views on octopus and just find them a little bit creepy, maybe this episode will enlighten you and show you that they're actually really amazing and they deserve to have a voice speak up for them because right now they are facing some pretty challenging issues and we're going to be getting into that shortly. But before we do, I just want to share some amazing octopus facts with you so that you can have a greater appreciation for them too. There are around 300 species of octopus and they're in the same class as squids and cuttlefish. Now, octopus really don't have a very long lifespan, typically about three to five years. However, they can get pretty massive. I mean, if you're thinking in terms of octopus, some can get over just over four feet in length and weigh up to 22 pounds, which is a little bit mind-blowing, but this information was from the nationalgeographic.com. And they did say that typically, on average, those are definitely higher numbers. They don't often get to be that size, but it is a possibility. Octopus have nine brains, because why have just one or two or three brains when you can have nine? They have nine brains, eight tentacles, three hearts, and they also have blue blood. An interesting thing about their hearts is that two of them work pretty much all of the time, whereas the third heart will stop beating and stop pumping when they are swimming. So that's why they think typically octopus prefer to move around, like on ocean floors, as opposed to swimming, because it would likely feel a little bit displeasing <laughs> having your heart stop while you move. And going back to their eight tentacles, because most of their neurons, this is according to the smithsonianmagazine.com, two-thirds of the octopus's neurons reside in its arms, so its tentacles and not its head. They go on to say, as a result, the arms can problem-solve how to open a shellfish while their owners are busy doing something else, like checking out a cave for more edible goodies, unquote. I guess this can explain why, when you see an octopus moving, really, there seems to be no rhyme or reason as to how their tentacles are moving. And it's really because, essentially, they have a mind of their own. And that's exactly how the SmithsonianMagazine.com uh, puts it. Octopus arms have a mind of their own. Which, by the way, if you're wondering, the plural form of octopus is, in fact, octopuses not octopi, which I had posted yesterday on Instagram. I wasn't sure. I thought maybe octopi, question mark. But it is, in fact, octopuses. But octopuses, as you may know, when they're feeling threatened by a predator, they ink. 
and the ink helps disrupt the predator's sight, taste, and smell. And this allows the octopus a chance to escape. Octopus are incredibly intelligent. They can solve puzzles and mazes and are able to accomplish tasks and things that would seem tedious. They are highly intelligent. I remember reading a story about an octopus that was in an aquarium. And while people weren't around, like the caretakers weren't around, he would escape from his enclosure, go into a neighboring fish enclosure, eat the fish, or at least bring it back with him to his enclosure, and then close the enclosure once again, so like a lid on top of his enclosure. They wondered, how on earth, what is happening to these fish? And then they realized, oh, the octopus figured out how to remove the lid from his enclosure and actually move into another one's and actually be able to hunt. And it's just, yeah, it, it's crazy. They're amazing. But another interesting thing about octopuses is their life cycle, specifically when it comes to mating. After a male mates with a female, he goes off and he dies. And it's pretty suddenly, it sounds like, too. He just, he goes off and that's it. And this is another quote from the Smithsonian website, but they go on to say, As for females, they can lay up to 400,000 eggs, which they obviously guard and tend to, prioritizing their motherly duties, females stop eating. But she doesn't starve to death. Rather, when the eggs hatch, the female's body turns on her, unquote. Essentially, her body begins to break down on a very cellular basis. And it's actually rather sad. Her tissues and organs and optic glands just deteriorate up until she dies. And so this whole experience of mating and motherhood is such a short experience. And it's their, essentially, it's their last experience. Octopus are such incredible, intelligent, smart creatures. I mean, I could go on and on about them. I mean, how they camouflage themselves and how they can fit into these amazingly tiny spaces and they have the ability to feel and remember pain and the ability to experience what distress feels like. I think that with marine life, we just have this tendency to think, oh, they just swim around in the water. They really don't have any sort of pain receptors. There's nothing really unique about them. But we need to get out of this mindset because this could be detrimental for their rights and well-being. Even according to the BBC, quote, Experts sifted through more than 300 scientific studies and concluded that octopuses were sentient beings and that there was strong scientific evidence that they could experience pleasure, excitement, and joy, but also pain, distress, and harm, unquote. There are many countries around the world that do eat octopus, and this is nothing new. This has been, this has been the reality for centuries. But what has been changing in regards to people's consumption of octopus is just the quantity. The quantity has increased along with the decrease in number of wild octopus left. But yet there have been literally tons of octopus imported and exported between various countries, including the U.S. 
aquaculture in regards to octopus have now become a circulating topic, which aquaculture is essentially the term used for mass-producing marine life for consumption. They're essentially the factory farm versions for marine life. And once again, pulling information from the BBC, they go on to saying that aquaculture is the fastest growing food producing sector in the world. There are about 580 aquatic species that are farmed around the world. They also say that fish kept in captivity tend to be more aggressive and contract more diseases. And they even go on to say that the EU published guidelines acknowledging the lack of good husbandry practices and research gaps in aquaculture's impact on animal and public health. And so it is a sad topic and one that is not nearly talked about enough. But you may be wondering, okay, but how do octopuses come into this whole equation of aquaculture? And the reasoning for this is because there has been a Spanish company with plans to create the very first aquaculture mass-producing farm, essentially, for octopus. And they're planning to open it next year, but there are many people, not only within the scientific world, but even outside of that world, that are against this because of the ethical dilemmas it raises. And this is largely because octopus are feeling emotional, sensitive beings, but they're also highly territorial. As we know, they're soft-bodied, they have no skeletal system, and so they have to really protect themselves. This makes them very territorial, to the point where, which again, according to the BBC, octopuses in captivity should not be in the same enclosure because they can end up eating each other. So you can begin to see how this idea of mass-producing octopuses in a who knows how small of an area. I mean, if you see some of these aquaculture fisheries, you can immediately realize the quality of life is abysmal. The same would be happening for octopuses. We know that they're intelligent. We know that they have amazing capabilities. Why are we wanting to open a mass-producing octopus farm for the sake of consumption to meet the demand there's just, there's absolutely no regard for the octopuses. We know that the price for octopus is going up. We know that there's a decrease in wild octopus. And so they're trying to find a way to meet the demand and make some money. There is absolutely no respect or regard for the octopus. And although that they claim that they would be doing things the best they can for the octopus, when you're mass producing any sort of living animal for consumption, there's already this decline in the way that you view the animal. You're already viewing them as a commodity. And that right there is an issue. They're not commodities. They're living beings. They're feeling beings. Having a farm dedicated for mass-producing octopuses is a horrible idea. Their life will be so stressful and miserable Although there are activists and advocates speaking up for animals and trying to create better lives for factory-farmed animals, knowing that there's plans to open up a whole new type of factory farm for octopuses, I mean, although it's not called a factory farm, it's an aquaculture, which is essentially like a factory farm, 
it breaks my heart. And I just hope that once again, people begin to realize that their buying choices have a direct impact on this. And that can be both sobering and liberating to know that you can have a direct role in this. And so I want to kind of just close the episode with this. You have the ability to make positive change for them. Share this information with your family, with your friends. Octopuses are amazing. They are intelligent. They can problem solve. They have nine brains. They have three hearts. Their tentacles have minds of their own. Share with them these amazing facts about octopuses and animals in general because the more we have an appreciation for animals and the space we get to share with them, I think that is a very positive step in helping someone view not only octopuses differently, but animals differently and view them as the individuals that they are. All right, thank you guys so much again for listening to today's episode. I hope that you learned something new about octopuses and can share with others and keep this conversation going. We have some pretty exciting news that we're going to be sharing later on this week on our social media. So if you're not already following us, go ahead and check us out on Instagram and Facebook at The Humane Nation. So go ahead and give us a follow if you're not already, and then you can stay up to date with what we have going on. As you know, we love to celebrate your adopted pets and your foster pets, and we have not had a story in a really long time. Actually, I think we've only had a handful of stories ever with Humane Nation, and so it is definitely time to hear another foster or adoption story. So if you want to share your foster or adopted pet story with us, you can go to our website at thehumanenation.com. Click on the podcast tab and in the drop-down box, you will see feature your pet. Go ahead and fill out the form there and we will feature them right here during this part of the podcast. And for sanctuaries, if you have a resident that is in need of a sponsorship, you can go to our website at thehumanenation.com. Click on the podcast tab and in the drop-down box, you will see four sanctuaries. Go ahead, fill out the form there and we will feature your resident right here on our podcast and we'll also feature them on our social media platforms too and tag you so that listeners can go and check out your site as well. All right, you guys. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time. Bye.